Greetings and welcome to Tales from the Otherwood, a podcast exploring the folk tales and folklore of the East Midlands and beyond. I'm Dylan Knight, and I'll be your guide as we take one of the many paths in this magical, ever-changing woodland. Although people living in modern Great Britain might deny it, we are a people of tradition, especially when it comes to pomp and circumstance. We like our ceremonial titles, and take pride from being from a certain place. That's why we still have positions of Lord or Lady Mayor, and Sheriffs in our councils. It's also why even our judicial systems still maintain that custodians of the law wear robes and wigs. This is also the reason each county has a flag, each with its own individual emblem. Nottingham has the figure of Robin Hood silhouetted in green with a white shield and red cross. Lincoln has a red cross with a yellow fleur-de-lis. Rutland has its yellow horseshoe, arch pointing upwards. Leicester has a red running fox. Northampton has a yellow cross with a red rose. And Derby has a green cross with a yellow rose. And yet, Derbyshire is also recognised by another symbol entirely, the Ram. This month, the roots of the Otherwood find themselves in the craggy hills and sweeping dales of Derbyshire. We're going to look at something a little bit different this month. Instead of a story, I shall be reading out a version of the folk song The Derby Ram. I listened to about eight different versions of this song, and was even going to try and sing it myself. Ah, you know what? I don't normally sing as a rule, but as this is my podcast, I'm going to give it a go. And I apologise in advance. Tales from the Otherwood presents The Derby Ram As I was going to Derby, sir, all on a market day I met the finest ram, sir, that ever was fair done, hey. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. This ram was fat behind, sir, this ram was fat before. This ram was ten yards high, sir, indeed he was no more. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The wool upon his back, sir, reached up unto the sky. The eagles made their nest there, sir, for I heard the young ones cry. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The wool upon this belly, sir, it dragged upon the ground. It was sold in Derby town, sir, for forty thousand pound. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The space between his horns, sir, was as far as a man could reach. And there they built a pulpit for the parson there to preach. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The teeth that were in his mouth, sir, were like a regiment of men. And the tongue that hung between them, sir, would have dined them twice and again. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. 
This ram jumped over a wall, sir, his tail caught on a briar. It reached from Derby Town, sir, all into Leicestershire. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. And of this tail so long, sir, twas ten miles and an ell. They made a goodly rope, sir, to toll the market bell. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. This ram had four legs to walk on, sir, this ram had four legs to stand. And every leg he had, sir, stood on an acre of land. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The butcher that killed this ram, sir, was drowned in the blood. And the boy that held the pail, sir, was carried away in the flood. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. All the maids in Derby, sir, came begging for his horns, to take them to Coopers, to make them milking gorns. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The little boys of Derby, sir, they came to beg his eyes, to kick about the street, sir, for they were of football size. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The tanner that tanned its hide, sir, would never be poor any more. For when he had tanned and wretched it, it covered all sinfin more. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. The jaws that were in his head, sir, they were so fine and thin. They were sold to a Methodist parson for a pulpit to preach in. Indeed, sir, this is true, sir, I was never taught to lie. And had you been to Derby, sir, you'd have seen it as well as I. And that's the end of that nonsense. Right. Storytelling is thirsty work. Time for a cup of tea, I think. Put on the kettle or crack open your flask. It's time for a drink and a chat. I think it's safe to say that I'm going to stick to the day job. I loosely base the tune from a version sung by Keith Kendrick, Pete Castle, Roy Harris and Derek Hale. And if you want to hear it being sung properly, you can find their version on YouTube. The Derby Ram describes a ram of huge proportions, of each leg standing in an acre of land, of a tail so long it covered ten miles. A ram so big that when killed its blood poured so fast and thick it drowned the butcher and flooded the streets of Derby itself. In my research, there were two authors who had quoted the antiquarian S. O. Addy with the following passage. And in doing this myself, I like to think I'm carrying on a sort of tradition. Amongst the earliest recollections of my childhood is the performance of the Derby Ram, or as we used to call it, the Old Tup. With tile eye of memory, I can see a number of young men standing one winter's evening in the deep porch of an old country house, 
and singing the ballad of the old tup. In the midst of the company was a young man with a sheep's skin, horns and all, on his back and standing on all fours. What it all meant I could not make out, and the thing that most impressed me was the roar of the voices in that vault-like porch. From his account, Addy describes this performance from the 19th century as having taken place in the winter. The Old Tup was indeed a small play, traditionally performed from Christmas Eve through to New Year's Day, and the earliest recorded versions go back to at least the mid-19th century. This was primarily performed in both Derbyshire and Sheffield in South Yorkshire. Yet the song of the Derby Ram goes back to at least as far as the 18th century. Although Dr David Clark, in his book Strange South Yorkshire, alludes to the tradition possibly going back as far as the 7th century, as Theodore of Tarsus is quoted as saying of Yuletide traditions, If anyone on the calends of January walks as a stag or as a little old woman, that is to say, if they change themselves into the likeness of wild animals, or clothe themselves in the skins of cattle and wear the heads of beasts, they shall do penance for three years, for this is devilish. Devilish? Well, that's a bit harsh, I'd say, isn't it? I doubt the old tup is as old as that, but we'll go on to older themes later. The old tup wasn't simply a different name for the song, as the song was made part of the play. The old tup is best described as a type of mummer's play, a folk play using local people rather than stage actors to play the parts, traditionally played by men, and these were known as mummers. In the old tup, the cast consisted of a butcher, an old man, his wife, a doctor, and the devil, or in this case, Little Devil Doubt, and of course, the old tup itself. Theodore of Tarsus would have been rolling in his grave as the mummer playing the tup wore a huge black cloth walked on all fours and carried a ram's head made of wood, comprising of a pair of horns, marble eyes and a huge flapping tongue. There were some versions of this where they actually carried a real sheep's head, but the complaints of the smell and the decaying flesh um, kind of had that uh, replaced with a wooden one instead. This is very similar to another practice and tradition called the Odos, going around with a similar play with the character as a horse instead. The play of the old tup was usually quite short and performed almost guerrilla show style, i.e. they turned up unannounced, performed, collected money from people all around to buy beer with before disappearing off to the next location. The play was actually quite short, with the characters of the old man and the old woman going into an establishment and saying out loud, Here comes me and my old lass. Short of money and short of brass. Fill up your glass and give us a sup. We'll come in and show you at Derby Tup. If the crowd seemed welcoming, the troop of mummers would go in with a tup charging around here, there, and everywhere. The troop would then sing the Derby Ram and act bits out, such as the butcher sticking the tup. The tup would be revived at the end of the show, either by itself or, if there was the character of the doctor nearby, to administer a pill or potion. This would put the show firmly in the category of begging traditions for winter, not only making money and cheer for the poorer people, but for keeping the spirits up of the local populace during the darker months. Another point that was raised by Sidney Aldell Addy 
was the comparison of the Derby Ram, or the old tub if you'd rather, with the Norse creation myth, as Addy wrote back in 1895. Now, when I first read the Edda, and came to the passage which tells how the sons of Bor slew the giant Ymir, and how when he fell so much blood ran out of his wounds that all the race of frost giants was drowned in it, I said to myself, why, that's the old tup. The old tup was the giant Ymir, and the mummers of my childhood were acting the drama of the creation. Addy, in his book Household Tales with Other Traditional Remains, compares quite a few bits of folklore, and some of the tales included, to Scandinavian myth and legend. Considering England's Anglo-Saxon and Viking past, this actually makes sense. The Edda to which Addy refers to is known as the Prose Edda, or simply as the Edda. It is a collection of Norse mythology containing tales of gods, of giants, dwarves and elves, heroes and the supernatural, the creation of the world and its fiery end at Ragnarok, all in a plain speaking prose with ancient poetic verses from another body of work called the Poetic Edda included. Both Eddas were written in 13th century Iceland and come from the oral traditions of the early Viking Age. The part of the prose Edda that reminded Addy of the old Tup is the section that features the primordial giant Emir, and how his body was used to create the world. From Emir's flesh was the earth created. From the bloody sweat, the sea. Cliffs from the bones, trees from hair, and from the head, the heavens. And from his eyelashes, the gentle gods made Midgard for the sons of men and from his brains all the oppressive clouds were formed. From the rest of the Edda, we learn that Emir not only had his body made to create the world, but before his death he also began the race of frost giants too. Midgard, or should I say Midyard, or Middle Earth, also meaning Middle Yard, refers not only to our world Earth, it also applies to the walled fortress said to be around our world to protect it from the giants that lay beyond it, at least according to the Edders, anyway. I doubt very much that the Derby Ram could also claim to have given rise to a race of giants, but we can see from the lyrics what came from the Ram itself. I promise I'm just reading it this time, I'm not going to sing it, okay? The wool upon his back, sir, reached up into the sky. The eagles made their nests there, sir, for I heard the young ones cry. The wool upon his belly, sir, it dragged upon the ground. It was sold in Derby Town, sir, for forty thousand pound. The space between his horns, sir, was as far as a man could reach, and there they built a pulpit for the parson there to preach. All the maids of Derby, sir, came begging for his horns to take them to Cooper's to make the milking gorns. The little boys of Derby, sir, they came to beg his eyes, to kick about the streets, sir, for they were football size. The tanner that tanned its hide, sir, would never be poor any more, for when he had tanned and wretched it, it covered all Sinfin more. The jaws that were in its head, sir, they were so fine and thin, they were sold to a Methodist parson for a pulpit to preach in. Perhaps not quite the world-building creature that Emir was, but at least the Derby Ram appeared to make at least the wool merchant and tanner very rich, 
as well as providing two separate pulpits for two parsons, nests for high-flying eagles, and footballs for boys, and milking gorns for the girls. I did have to look up what a gorn actually was, and it turns out to have been an old-fashioned word for vessel, for liquids, or a ladle. So having the Derby Ram's horns made into tubs for carrying milk probably wasn't a bad way of going on. Which perhaps is what the song was really about. That every part of the ram, much like every part of the livestock, was used, with the wool for clothing, skin for leather, the muscle for meat, the horns and bones for tool handles, the fat for candles, and the ligaments boiled were made for glue. I could go on. But it seems to me that the Derby Ram was simply more a rowdy song exaggerating the use of this particular ram because of its tremendous size. In other versions of the song, the horns are said to be so big that a boy walked up in January to go up to the moon and came back down again in June. And in another, it took all the old men of Derby to roll away its bones and all the women of Derby to roll away its, well, its genitalia. Was the Derby Ram song a distant relation to a Norse creation myth? Were people singing the Derby Ram during the 7th century, while upsetting Theodore of Tarsus? I honestly cannot say. What I can say is that mankind dressing up as an animal and behaving very differently once wearing a costume is one of the oldest forms of performance in our history. And there's something primal in us adopting the guise of a beast and letting go of our human selves. And whilst I don't think the Derby Ram is as old as Viking myth, I do know that it is old enough for it to have been reputed to have been George Washington's favourite songs. The Derby Ram may not be as old as people want it to be, but it has been fully embraced by the people of Derby. From its football team, to its architecture, and even to a statue in the city centre. The Derby Ram may not be the Emir of myth as attested by Addy, but it is something else. It both represents and is Derbyshire. Tales from the Otherwood was written and produced by me, Dylan Knight. If you could please leave a review of this podcast wherever you listen to it, I'd appreciate that a lot. Also, I'll be doing some real-life storytelling at 8pm at the tiny event tent at Brook Road Farm, Woodhouse Eaves in Leicestershire on Saturday the 9th of September. So you haven't got long. Tickets are £15 each and include a rustic buffet with cider. Food and drink all supplied from local companies. Although non-alcoholic beverages are also available. You can get your tickets and further information by emailing brookfarmwoodhouseeves at gmail.com that's brookfarmwood as one word and also part of one word houseeves e-a-v-e-s at gmail.com I'll even put the contact details in the episode notes for further details and thank you for listening and remember stay safe and watch out for unexpected rams of a gigantic size <laughs>